Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color. This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life. How is is your 2017 going so far? (laughs) You got all your New Year's resolutions? (laughs) So, yeah. So, this year, you know, it's really interesting. Um, This year, I uh, usually I I sit and spend time, right, and, like, allow my vision for the new year to come forward. Um, So, like, last year I kept seeing sort of, like, Stein von der Wustein, right? It's like... Gloria Stein in the in the in the desert. Oh right, yeah, that right. was your thing. Right, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you know, usually I'll get these like really clear visions of what I want to do, and then I can kind of break things out. Right, I'll do my vision board and um, like my annual tarot reading, where I'm just asking like, what do I need to know for this year? Mm, right? right, and so like use those images and archetypes of the tarot to kind of bring that vision into right it's like constantly trying to get this vision from the clouds down onto the ground basically um and i mean i'm an air sign so it takes me a little (laughs) while to make it to the ground so luckily because my partner is chinese american right then i kind of i feel like i have a whole new year season right i don't i don't feel quite the pressure to get it all done by the first right exactly chinese new year is uh this year's the end of yeah, January, this, right? it shifts because it's on it's lunar, lunar right? Calendar. So yeah. this year it's on the twenty eighth of January. Okay. Um, so you know, so I don't pressure myself to get it all done by the first or whatever, but but I am very conscious of how like we're in this very sacred space at the beginning of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're taking stock of what has gone before and getting ready to open up into what is coming in and. Um, so I do pay very close attention to how I spend those first few days and who I spend them with and what we're doing, right? So I have this practice of having a dinner party with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I hear you're still recovering from. Yes. Today <laughs> was the first day that I didn't wake up making lots of noise because my bones were hurting so bad um, after standing in the kitchen for a full week, like wow. eight to 11 hours a day or whatever. Um, so... Like, so I, you know, I did do my, I did do my annual tarot reading yesterday. Um, and I had my dinner party or whatever, but like this year I'm really having a hard time seeing anything for 2017. And I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this. I think like last year we talked about how it's the shoottiest time of the year, right? right? Here's and what all... you should do with your life. Exactly. And yeah. like, we're going to set all up this pressure. new go through the cycle of self-flagellation with <laughs> like, I need to lose 115 pounds and find my soulmate and my dream job by December by October, even. <laughs> right. right. So, um, yeah, totally. So, and I've got a year to do what I haven't been able to do for like 45. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, whole life to date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No pressure. So, so, so we talked about that last year and, and then this year, like I, I am just, I'm having a hard time even, even seeing into what I want or feeling into what I want for 2017, right? Outside mm-hmm. of these really big, like, <laughs> I want to not start a new Holocaust, like, I don't want the world to burn, you know? Right. right I don't exactly. want to start a new nuclear arms race. I don't want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like outside yeah. of these kinds of things, like, yeah. um, I'm having a really hard time 
feeling into that and I'm sure I'm not alone right well with all the political upset from last year I'm sure that there's a lot, a lot of people, of people that are, are in that space about 2017. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, you know, it's people always talk about how successful people have goals and, you know, follow their plan and all this kind of thing. Um, but I think, and I think there's definitely a value to that. Absolutely. And yet at the same time, there's also value to, um, to being big and broad with your goals and setting intentions that are based on, um, you know, thematically what you want and what you're looking for, you know, what you're trying to embody for the coming year. Um, you know, and, and I know I I'm kind of in that place too, where I don't have really concrete goals yet for the new year. Um, but I have some big ideas. And, um, and actually I'm doing this like 30 day, um, um, sort of project with Mike Dooley who writes the notes from the universe. Oh emails. yeah. Okay. And, um, and one of his things is that because he's very big into, um, visualization and, and manifesting through visualization and sort of putting it out there to the universe and letting the universe do the heavy lifting for you. Right. Totally. And, um, uh, and so his thing is you don't want to mess with what he calls the cursed house, which is basically trying to control everything yourself. You know, his, what? yeah, his approach is <laughs> you set, start out with these really big ideas of, I want to invite love into my life. I want to, um, grow in abundance. Um, I want to smash the hegemonic patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess that too. Right. Um, <laughs> There's um there's this idea of holding on to something but holding on to it loosely, kind of like mm. letting it rest in your hands. Yeah. Like this is what I'm after as opposed to like having it in a stranglehold and going, right. I must have this thing and it must come to me in this way, you know, which yeah. can sometimes Which actually sounds like a much more uh feminine as opposed to masculine mm, right? right like the feminine is much more receptive and magnetic yes receptive yeah whereas the the masculine is like pushing outwards pushing going, outwards yeah and so direct. really if you get it yeah, yeah i'm glad you brought that up because really if you think about it the whole idea of new year's resolutions and goal setting and having you know your plan that you're gonna follow and um is is that more sort of yang kind of outward pushing forward yeah. kind of energy and no, there's totally. and, it, and it is useful um yeah. but then it's also useful to kind of hold those goals lightly and allow yourself to yeah. receive well we had a few episodes back i forget which number it was but um we talked about the gender medicine wheel mm -hmm. right so right. within that gender medicine wheel for those of you that uh don't remember or didn't hear mm -hmm. that one like the East was the inner feminine, right? Which is basically standing on the void and being okay with it, right? Mm -hmm. um, being okay with not knowing. Right. And and how, like, recognizing the void is whatever we project into it okay. and being being okay with that, right? So it's a, it, it's a, so the inner feminine basically is being able to find that state of calm no matter what comes, right? Right. And then the outer feminine was the, which is the, the South, 
right? That's the womb. So it's creating the container for things to grow, mm. right? And then, um, and it, and and if we look at containers, then sometimes containers can be too big, and so they feel a little overwhelming, and we don't really know what to do with it. And sometimes containers can be too small; we feel bound, we feel right, and then it's mm. time for a new container. So, um, so knowing the size of the container, like that's a big part of the the outer feminine then the inner masculine in the west was the um visions and being able to the sort of visionary dreaming like that kind of thing right mm -hmm. and then the outer masculine in the north is the manifestation the action the action that makes it happen right so hmm. so if we've done the work going around the medicine wheel then the manifestation should come with grace and ease Right. So I think a lot of the 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 talks about, oh, let's do this with grace and ease. Right. And if it's not happening with grace and ease and it must not be meant to be or whatever, <laughs> like I think that's coming from that. But this idea that if there's not grace and ease, it shouldn't be happening. A lot of people have issues with that. And there are many places where it's good to have issues with that because it can mean you didn't get your work done. Right. Right. Yeah. So rather than, oh, well, go, it's just not meant to be like it just made you me. actually have to go all the way around the wheel, not just stop at. <laughs> right. You can't just go, show well, up and go. Happens, so. Exactly. So I'm just going to like come in and have my vision and then it should happen with grace and ease. Like, mm. well, no, you've got to be able to face the void and then find the right container and nurture that. And then you have the vision and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and then there has to be a closing before you can start over again, right? So if there's not closure with the manifestation, if that isn't rounded out, if you don't have a good closure, then then you can't begin again. There's not a new void, right? Mm. You're just tinkering with the thing that's already there. Oh, okay. Right? So, um, yeah, so I, and as I'm talking, I'm realizing, oh, that's a really good place to start. With hey, for, like for, I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this year, so typically, um, the, the future is my happy place, right? Like, yeah. I'm an ENFP. Like, our time, our happy place yeah. is the future. I'm kind of like that, too, yeah. You know? Vision, imagining what could be all the wonderful exactly, possibilities. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's more comfortable there than in the... Often. Yeah, having to make things happen. Yeah, and so, <clears throat> like, um, it... But right now, it's not a place that I can. It's not a. It's not my happy place. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. So you have some very dark visions for I the future. I have some very dark visions for yeah. the future right now, <laughs> and um, and I feel like, um, and I also. So this has been one of the things too that I and I think we've talked about this a little bit on the mic, like how and and this is my general life philosophy, right? Like I sincerely believe that we need to be honest about what is happening, that we can't, uh, not facing the void does not work, right? Like we need to face that void. We need to deal with what comes up in us. We need to do what I mean. Turning away and pretending like it's there is not the way to sort that out. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just ignore it and it'll go away. Yeah, exactly. Right. It just doesn't work like yeah. that. And so... If only it did, the <sighs> world would be this wonderful place because we would just be doing all, all the bad stuff. Squeeze our eyes no shut way. and say, you're not here, you're not here, you're not here. But, um, <laughs> and it was interesting because we went to go... I think we did talk about this. We went to go see... Um, uh, what is the movie? Not Fantastical Beasts, the other one. Peculiar... 
the Peculiar Children, Mrs. Peregrine's oh, yeah. School for Peculiar Children. Right, yeah. And so um, all these children have these sort of talents, right? Mm-hmm. And I never would have thought that being, like, seeing monsters could be a gift. Right. Right? Um, but... But it is. But it is. The, that's the main character's gift. Yeah. Yeah. So, spoiler <laughs> alert. Sorry. Yeah. But, um, so, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, like, so it helped me sort of, like, go, okay. And, you know, there's these, these, uh, there are these ads around town right now that say they're HIV awareness ads, right? But they say it's only dangerous if you don't know it's there. Oh, right. Right. So, yeah. like, refusing to see what could be coming down the pike is what makes what's coming down the pike happen. Do you see what right. I'm saying? Like, cause us... you don't prevent it when it's smaller. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so I do, I I'm seeing some pretty dark things right now, um, which makes me not want to sit down and envision <laughs> 2017, but, um, uh, you know, it makes it hard for me to find like, my space, right? I'm like circling above and I don't really know where I'm supposed to land just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like being honest about what's there, it's not that, because I think a lot of people are looking for for peace about what's coming. Do you right. know what I mean? And, or they say they want peace about what's coming, but what they really want is to go back to sleep. Right. Mm, right. And I think the peace comes in knowing that whatever comes down the pipe, we'll find a way to deal with it with our eyes open. Yeah. Right. So, um, that we can face the worst and survive. Yeah. Some of us, anyway. (laughs) I have very dark visions of the future. So and the ones who don't got off easy. (laughs) And I joke about how I want to like you know this time I'm gonna stand in front and talk really loud so they can find me because I don't want to live through this again. Right. You know what I mean? Um. But uh. But in all seriousness, like really figuring out what the best role is for me within this. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um. That that I'm having um a harder a harder time with so like because um, it's one thing to talk about it it's another thing to take a position and say this is where I'm gonna stand when right. that's not a comfortable place to stand no and I think too <laughs> like by the same sort of token of like this idea of talking about like oh this I'm gonna set these goals and I'm gonna make an action plan and I'm gonna move through it this very masculine way of looking at that right mm-hmm. I think um Part of the, the grander paradigm shift, obviously, is to come to this place of, of balance and incorporating the divine feminine and the divine masculine, because we have to redefine that as well. Mm-hmm. And um, like holding a vision and finding a way to attract that is very different, but also how we stand in situations like this, I think also is shifting, right? So, so I'm in the space where I recognize that we are repeating several patterns from history, right? And um, and I have this doomsday because I'm seeing all these different sort of like... All these indicators, right? Red flags of... <laughs> all these different realities bad, kind of folding. Right, exactly. On the horizon. Like, yeah. I've done enough history yeah. 
I've done enough history research. I've done enough refugee research. I've had my own experiences. Do you know what I mean? Um, to see there's like bad crap is coming down the pike, you know? Right. Yeah. And, um, and so, and it's like, God, we're, we're, we're doing it again. Like, have we still not learned our lesson? Right. Which is what can be really, really disheartening for a lot of people. I think yeah. there's a lot of people that are really disheartened and are heartbroken and I am one of them. Yeah. Right. Have you, and you know, I've noticed that in the recent years, like, especially in like the last five years, there has been a huge number of stories, books, TVs, um, TV shows, movies that are like of the post-apocalyptic nature. Oh yeah. And you know, the dystopian novel and all that kind of thing is, has been really big recently. Yeah. And I, I kind of noticed that and, and gone, I, I wonder if people are sensing something on the rise. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't thinking about it consciously necessarily the way you and I are, but you know, I think in the society there is a sense that uh, we're heading into the storm. It's true. And at the same time, like turn of last century, the same thing was true, right? So there were a lot of post-apocalyptic novels and they, like that idea was very much in the ether. Are you saying last century? Oh, century before this, last. Okay, so yeah. coming into the 1900s. Yes. Okay, so I didn't know that. There was. There was huh. a lot of apocalyptic. So you think maybe it's just too. a turn of the century thing? It can be. What's Because we had it at the turn of last century, right? Everyone thought the world was going to end in 1999. Right. The right. K- Y2K <laughs> virus, right? Like, um, But what's really interesting is that the Industrial Revolution really was the end of the world as they knew it. That world does not exist in the Mm. West anymore. Yeah, that's true. Right. So in some ways, they they weren't wrong. Right. (laughs) So people people say like, oh, well, people have thought that a million times and blah, blah, blah. But in in many ways, they weren't wrong because in the West, anyway, the world is not as we knew it. And, And we're seeing the consequences of that, right? Like we're we're poisoning our water and air and... You know what I mean? Like, um, we're eating the planet up and, uh, and that has its consequences. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so it's like we solved some problems and created a whole bunch of new ones. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And clearly and some problems have never entirely gone away. No. And it's one of the things that I've noticed too, like watching, you know, Star Wars and things like this, for example, when you see these like futuristic cities where this technology is doing amazing things, but there's still this vast divide between the haves and the have-nots. There's still this infighting. There's still this, this, this competition and bullying and right, like all of that yeah. stuff hasn't changed at all, actually. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I and I think that's the thing that and that, um, that's the thing that um, is that I'm really wrestling with right now, and that I know that a lot of other people right. are wrestling with right like, now. Like, will there ever be an end to it? Right. And are like, is there like, have we learned anything? Are we going to learn anything? Like, and so at this place where we swore never again, never again, never again. Right. But we're talking about registering Muslims. Right. Like there, there are people using the Japanese internment camps as the precedent. Like that is the word they use. We Mm -hmm. have historical precedent in this country for doing things like this. It is a Japanese internment camps. Like someone on his transition team said this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was Megan Kelly that was like, "Are you serious right now that you're talking about Japanese internment camps as a precedent? Do you know what that means, right? Like, 
um, and good on her. <laughs> and she has now since left to NBC, by the way. Um, mm. But uh, so so we're seeing these things, these like historic, like the generation that went through this isn't even dead yet. And we're doing it again. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then it makes me wonder, like, okay, so how are we supposed to do this now then? Because in the past, we we kept using military metaphors, for example, right? So we would organize, we would march, we would, right? Like, there are these mm-hmm. ways that we would stand against these oppression things. or right exactly yeah. but but if we're well i think it comes down to this and we were kind of talking before um we turned the mic on um that you know right now it feels like the country is very divided right you know especially in terms of people who are pro-trump and anti-trump and and that sort of thing and and even and, within the houses it's divided right though. there's and, so much chaos well, and, and... and the thing is we sort of when it comes to groups, we sometimes talk about a group as though it's one entity, but really it's not. A group, a country, a religion, an ethnic group, they're all made up of a bunch of different people. And while those people have certain similarities and that's what makes them a group, they're still very different from each other. And so what's really happening is it's like, you know, we're, we're like, oh, we gotta fight this thing, but you're really fighting with yourself. Right. And that's where it gets complicated because it's right. easy to fight against somebody or something that's out there. Right. But when the fighting is within yourself, within your own house, within your own country and community, now it's a lot harder to just be like, let's go to war. Right. Cause right. you're going to destroy your own home in the process. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing too, right? Like, and we're, we see this in the middle East, we see this, in the pictures in Syria. Like Aleppo and... Yeah. yeah. Right? This isn't happening on battlefields. This happens on city streets. Yeah. You know? And so... Um, and I, I just finished reading or listening to, actually, um, American Gods from Neil Gaiman. I haven't read um, that one. And we've talked... I think we've talked about Amanda Palmer on this. We talked about The Art of Asking. She has a TED Talk and a book. Um she was the lead singer of the Dresden Dolls. And so she talks about basically the way she used crowdsourcing to get stuff done. When her label started putting the screws on her, Mm. um, she was able to break off. And because she had nurtured these relationships with her fans, was able to use crowdsourcing to get things done, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, her TED Talk is fantastic and the book is really interesting. And she's married to Neil Gaiman, so, um, so I, you know, hearing about him in the book, of course, and then I kept seeing quotes of his. I've seen quotes and stuff by him too, in interviews and stuff. Right. And it was yeah. like, wow, this guy seems amazing. Guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so then I had, you know, thrown out on, on Facebook, um, like, okay, if I'm going to read Neil Gaiman, who should I start with? Right. So American Gods was the one that came up more than any of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, and that title was one that appealed to me, obviously. Right. So right. Um, I just finished it. And um, it's really interesting because it talks about one of the sort of themes that runs through is that America is a terrible place for gods because we don't have loyalty and devotion to things like mm-hmm. we'll have devotion, but not over the long haul. Right. 
Right. Only in the short term when you want something or right. Only so things you get become what you like want. really important to us for a right. while until the next thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So so for the old gods, it's very very difficult. But for the new gods, also right. Like they right. get a lot of energy and attention for a little while, and then like going viral on social media. Exactly. So it comes in this like flash First, of explosion, yeah. and then it's gone. Poop, right? right. Yeah. Totally. So um. But one of the things also that came up in one of the big themes in the book is this idea of like death and chaos, right? These two characters that one thrives on death, the other one thrives on chaos. So they don't care who you're fighting. Right. They, they don't, don't care, care who wins or what the values no, are. They don't care who yeah. wins. They don't care the values. They don't know how righteous you are. Like none of that matters. What feeds them is the death in the chaos, yeah. right? And um, and we're in this space where there is a lot of chaos and and it promises a lot of death, do you know what I'm saying? And so it has me really thinking about if I don't want to feed death and chaos, right? If no one can throw the wand over the crowd and say, I dedicate this battle to, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like so how do, how do I... How do I act then? How do I respond? What becomes my North Star ritual or practice? What is my process going to be? Like, how do we... Because the, the people that want to rip this up, like, they, they, they love the outrage. Like, that's mm. all they need. They don't care that you're outraged. They want the attention. Yeah, they just want their stuff to go viral. Right. Yeah. They don't care that you're outraged. It doesn't bother them at all that you're outraged. What they love is that their name is trending. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And and I think there's a couple of different forces that are working that way, right? If we're talking about sort of like emotional underlying currents. Um, and that is really the currency of this planet. It's not... The ideology isn't really that important, mm-hmm. right? And we like to get into lots of discussions about ideologies and how important they are, but, but they're not actually. Well, because when you get right down to it, everyone wants to be special mm. and important. And, and, uh, and I think Trump really played on that for sure. in the campaign with, um, you know, finding a base of people who didn't feel listened to, didn't feel like, um, their needs were being met and, you know, and use that to, right. to build a support from that. And, um, but even if we pull it out of that, right? Because there's people behind the scenes in this, I feel like. Because um, even if he wasn't here anymore, even if tomorrow he went, oh, this is boring. Right. I'm Never mind, go. I'm not going to be president after right. all. I've got I'm better gonna, things I've to got do. Better, I want to go lay on my yacht <laughs> in my tax haven. So, ha <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, like, so, but there's all this other stuff happening behind the, the scenes you know, and then under that, there's this emotional currency that's happening. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Am I articulating that? Well, I don't know what specifically you mean. But. So, so if we're looking at, um, and if you if you're looking at history, if you're looking like patterns, right? If we're looking at like larger patterns and things like this, um, and even if you can think of book scenarios, right? Because because literature is one of those places where it didn't happen, but it's very true, right? Because they're exposing patterns, right? Right. right. So if we're if we're looking at the patterns underneath and looking at 
if you study revolutions in different countries and stuff like this, like their ideology was beautiful. The things they had on paper were beautiful. Mm -hmm. They had. That's why I was surprised to find when I first learned what communism was. Mm. That it was basically that everyone in the community is taken care of. I'm like, that's beautiful. That's such a lovely, the ideology of it is actually really wonderful. Yeah. But then in practice, it usually what ends, ends up, up happening is that <laughs> you have a small group of people that have a lot for themselves. Right. And then they leave a few crumbs for wants to fight over. Yeah. Right. So, um, which seems to happen wherever there are people gaining power. Do you know right. what I mean? Regardless, again, of what the ideological, ideological. Because yeah. you have that like. in capitalist society. Absolutely. Democratic right. societies. And, yeah. Yeah. So there has to be a lot of like, there has to be a lot of work going on for that not to happen. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there has to be a lot of inner work happening and holding e people holding each other accountable and able to take um, criticism from all angles and that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, people get in power structures and they don't want to hear criticism and and then they, there are varying levels of what they do to people to criticize them. Do you know what I'm saying? But, um, but the ideology doesn't really matter because, like, the when you have revolutionary forces that come in, then in the name of reestablishing order they put this military law into place, right? And then the, the fascism hasn't gone away. There's just another ideology right. at the it's helm. It's just a new group in charge. Right. Yeah, I heard. That's why I was able to successfully predict what happened at the end of the Hunger Games book, the last book, because I had my dad had told me about how often he was talking about, I think, I don't even remember what country now, uh, somewhere in Africa, that, you know, they'd have these revolutions and the revolution would finally succeed. And then the rebels, their leaders would be even worse than the dictator that they got rid of. Right. And yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, that's in, in it. And so it comes back to, you know, there's always people who are seeking out power and trying to get it through force, through manipulation, through taking and we away are those from people. others. Like we are those people. We do it in our own lives all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Which I think when we're not looking at it in our own lives, we're going to be blind to it when other people are doing it because we make excuses for ourselves when we do it. We make excuses for them when they do it too. And it's not until we're too deep in, right, that we recognize what's really happening there. So I, because I, it's the most, it's, it's very, like we all have a predator, right? Like we've talked, we've talked about this before too. In the episode that we did right after solstice because of this the saxophone guy that crashed the center of the solstice oh, yeah, remember yeah. like um and my sacred arts teacher like we had like three weeks of these really great teachings on predator energy after that and we we all have a predator like an inner predator we all have that predator energy and we all will seek we're all we're, you know we're seeking power we want these kind of things but it's like staying awake enough to check it in mm -hmm. ourselves right and i and i feel like one of the biggest traps for the predator to totally take over in us mm -hmm. is to think that we are righteous <laughs> and convince that our ideology is the one that is superior do you know what i'm saying yeah and well and that's why um the way i combat that is looking at it not from my ideology is superior, but what is going to um, help everyone be happy and successful and fulfilled? And, you know, how how can we do something in this situation that is going to be a win 
for everybody right. as much as possible um, under the circumstances. And so, um, so I, I find that that's kind of the reminder for me is, is looking at, I, I have this very simple definition of right and wrong, which is um, wrong is when somebody's getting hurt. And it kind of, it's super, super simple. But, um, and of course, in some practical situations, uh, somebody's going to get hurt. And so, of course, those are the most complicated ones is how do we, you know, sort of get through this situation. But, um, but most of the time I find that just asking the question, like, you know, like I remember when the whole gay marriage thing, you know, was first like came up as a big hot button issue. And, and I was like, well, what's you know, letting gay people get married, how is that hurting anyone? You know, it's not already me. (laughs) It's, you know, so I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. And, um, um, so yeah. And, and what you're talking about is the predator. I usually, um, uh, define as the ego, but I think it's basic. It's that same energy of, um, feeling like you're never safe enough, like you never have enough, like you need more, you need more money, you need more power, you need more uh, social status, you you know, that desire to acquire everything, to kind of hoard, you know, like a dragon, you know, hoards their treasure or whatever, like I need this treasure because bad things could happen. And, and, and it's, um, and what I've learned over the last um, couple years um, through um, spiritual uh, practice is that that really the key and what makes spiritual practice really so valuable is having that feeling that you're safe mm-hmm. and that you're that you're part of this connected universe that you're being taken care of uh, on a fundamental level that spiritually anyway you know you're safe and and then that gives right. a foundation to then deal with the dangers of the mortal world. Yeah, totally. I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too, right? This last month or so. Like, so what would, uh, always makes me think about Benjamin Sander. How would you do? How would you be? How would you think? How would you walk? How would you talk if, right? Um, how, how would I be? How would I feel? How would I talk? How would I walk? How would I make decisions if I was far more concerned about my heart being alive than I was my body being alive? Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. And I've, and I've had... If I'm focusing from physical safety to spiritual safety, yeah. right? How does that... How does that shift how I am in the world? How does that shift where I move, who I talk to, who I don't talk to, when I stand, when I don't stand? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of all we have because stuff can happen, you know, bad stuff happens in the world and we may not be able to stop it, you know, through our individual actions, but what we do have is our ability to deal with whatever situation that comes up in a manner of our own choosing. And so that's what sort of keeps me that I go back to when I have these conversations with you and you're sharing your (laughs) dark vision of the future. And this part of me starts going, Oh my God, I need to move to Canada, you know, whatever. But, 
Not that I'm going to do that. But, um, I need to get lots of thermal underwear. Know, right? <laughs> like, but, um, but actually, I mean, I have, I have a very active imagination. So actually, I've thought about these kind of things. And what if I was imprisoned? What if I was, you know, in this situation or that's, you know, these really like dire um, uh, situations. And um, yeah, and it just comes back to um, being who I want to be in the moment. Yeah. And letting that be my guide. Yeah, and it's in 12-step programs they and, talk about. And giving up this idea that... Doing the next right thing. Yeah, that I'm giving up this idea that I'm going to be able to make whatever I want happen. That I can really only be who I want to be. Mm. And hope that that has the power to shift something in the direction that I want. Beautiful. Okay, so um, I'm also reading, so I just finished up uh, American Gods from Neil Gaiman, and this idea of like the death and chaos seeding this battle, right? And them not really caring who's fighting for who and who wins and loses. All they care about is that death and chaos happens, right? Right. Both of those things feed them. Um, uh, I'm also reading a book called... Um, the Song of Prosperity, is it? Oh, no. The Song of Abundance? It's from Jacqueline Freeman. A different Jacqueline Freeman. A different Jacqueline okay. Freeman. That's right. That so, was the one I saw on your desk. It was like, did you write this? Is this and you didn't even tell me? Yeah. Because like, um, uh, Paige Sullivan actually brought it over. And it's written by this beekeeper that has a very bee-centered beekeeping practice, right? So she's sort of practicing this, this, this form of shamanism because she really sits down and listens to the bees and hears what they have to say about things. And then like shifts her beekeeping to fit what to really, for it to really be like a cooperative experience as opposed Mm, to her dictating, right. (laughs) Right. Her dictating to them. So, and in the process, of course, she's learned, not only how how they do things, but it's caused some pretty big shifts and learnings and insights for her life, right? Huh. And one of the things that um that I thought was really fascinating, what and it I love how the universe right works, right? It was really beautiful that uh like the day that I'm having all this thinking about like oh if everything's feeding death and chaos, how do I <laughs> stand up against these things that are very abhorrent to me without feeding death and chaos. Right. Right. Um, like how do you not play that game? Exactly. So in the, when, when bees are swarming, right. Like, so in the springtime, um, they'll, uh, if they've gotten enough, if they've gotten through the winter and had enough honey to last them through the winter and things like this, then when the spring comes, they need to split the hive, right. Because they've grown more. So they need to have a new hive. And so they'll be swarming in the springtime to find a new home. And um, so one of the things that was really fascinating was that they, the bees were talking about how they create chaos to hide the queen. Oh, in the middle of the swarm. Yes. Huh. So as opposed to all flying in this nice orderly way, like a flock of birds or something. Exactly. Exactly. And she was talking about how she's been in swarms, right? I don't know. I can't remember how she said that it happened, but, um, and she was saying that in the swarm, they're, they're, 
they're flying. There's, you know, there's so many of them and they're flying mm-hmm. all these different directions, but they never hit each other. Like they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> right. It looks like chaos. But it looks like chaos server. to us. Right. Right. And so she has these sections where she talks about what she has witnessed and the things that have happened on the farm and her experiences. And then she has these in our own words that are like what the bees have told her. Mm. Right. So it's from the bees. The bees are speaking in those spaces. So she's talking about in a swarm like it's fascinating because they don't hit each other, even though there's all they're flying in all different kinds of directions, but they're not smacking into one another. They know exactly what they're doing. And then the bees were talking about how they create chaos or what looks like chaos to hide the queen, to hide the queen. Hmm. because in the middle of, of these thousands of bees flying around, you, you have no idea as an outside observer who the queen is. They always know, though. Right. right. They know where the queen is. Yeah. Yeah. And like. Interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Wow. And so, so it does. It's another one of these things. <laughs> That gets thrown into this mix, like, oh, the things that happen in my head. But, um, but yeah, so this is another one of the things happening in this, like, finding a new way to, like, see chaos, right? Instead of, like, I've always had uh, my, my understanding of chaos is, is generally negative. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, having this sort of insight of, of chaos being this protective measure. yeah. I know going to throw that idea at you and see what you come up yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, one thing that is that I've noticed is a pattern in stories, and, and I think this happens to a certain extent in real life, too, is that there will there will be the, this circumstance that, that starts off the story, and it's usually some kind of misfortune or... Um, something crazy happened and then but of course that's the catalyst for this person going on this journey of growth and evolution and becoming a hero or just becoming a better person in their own life and and so i i just in fact i'm i'm watching this drama right now where um you know this family this family tries to help um you know their daughter by deceiving her and it's it's really kind of a mean prank but then it's like but then all this and some bad stuff comes out of it right there's the fallout of that but then all this good stuff comes out of it too and and that I mean that's pretty much always the the thing that happens in stories is there's somebody who's sort of in a rut and then something chaotic or unexpected or tragic comes along, shakes things up, and sends the person in a new direction. Right. Um, and of course, <laughs> in the beginning, especially, it's it's all very painful. And and yes. it's one thing for us to like watch it, you know, through our television, to right? It. To yeah. actually go through that kind of stuff is um, very traumatic. Yeah. And, um, and so sometimes, yeah, so that, that's sometimes where, when I see, um, you know, bad things happening or, you know, just not as an excuse that bad things are okay, because again, I believe that we should try not to hurt people, (laughs) you know, that that's the foundation of, of, um, you know, of goodness and moral correctness and all that kind of thing Buddhist idea of do no harm right exactly and so so while I very much believe in that I have also observed that sometimes 
good stuff does come out of tragedy and hardship and there's so there's this sort of it's sort of this weird thing where it's like it's sort of all good mm. even when it's not right you know <laughs> Which is one of those ideas that it, yeah like i don't want that idea to lull us com- to complacency but the idea to get us out of right despair. yeah and not yeah. It, it, yeah and then i think that's where you know i was wanting to reiterate like not that i'm okay with bad things yeah. happening but um when they do you know when those bad things happen unfortunately um the good news is we can, you know, we do something how, with that. Right. We decide right. how we're going to respond to that. Yeah. yeah. And if we Have you seen Collateral Beauty? No, I've, I've seen the preview and I want to go see oh, it. Oh, yeah. We want is to it go good? see it. Okay. Um, have to was go see it, it the second, I think? Okay. Um. Yeah, we went to go see it in the evening because I had also loved the preview and I was like, okay, this is perfect. Right. Like, <laughs> New Year's Day movie or whatever, a day yeah. after New Year's Day movie. Um. And so, and that, you know, the critics had totally panned in and it actually had oh, a relatively really? low, like, audience, pers- audience really? thing on audience Rotten Tomatoes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Rotten Tomatoes has, like, the, the critics, critics score and, the, and the, the audience. And you want to and the, the audience whatever the critics right, were usually. In the sort yeah. of idea that... What do critics know? They, well, I don't know. They I, just don't <laughs> seem to be very good at Well, it's really interesting because I think, you know, from, like... Um, uh, the stuff that we uncovered in the artist way that we did last semester, right? Like that critics are often people, they're like thwarted artists. Oh, right. So right? they're looking to tear things so down. So they're tearing yeah. things down instead yeah. of, um, <laughs> so I always take them with a grain of salt anyway. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Because a lot of times I'm like, okay, I don't know what your problem with that is. But um, yeah. uh, but even the audience score was kind of low. And hmm. uh, even after having seen it, I, don't, I still don't really understand what Why people's be low. problems huh. with it were. I, I, I don't know if it's because there is a vision of divine masculine in there that rails against what we as a culture think men should do. Really? Okay. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that's part of it, right? Because yeah, his, it's a little outside the norms. Very outside the norms. Okay. Now I really want to see it. Yeah. And that didn't occur to me until a little bit later, but... Um, it's really interesting because it's, and I had said, you know, when I posted on Facebook, I was like, if you want to be defeated by death, squander time and say goodbye to love, it is not your movie, right? If you don't <laughs> want people to tell you there's a way out of this darkness, if you don't want people to find a new way to get around it, right? If you yeah. want to sink, don't go see this movie. It's not your movie, right? right. It really, really isn't. Um, and so I wonder if that is part of it too, because mm. like just the headlines on critics things were like oh obviously this person has had no human experience you know <laughs> okay <laughs> um but it's because i think they 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 do a really great job of showing just how much pain he's in right mm. he's in so much pain and so there's that thought of how could anyone really get over that right you know so he's really in this pain but even in the midst of that pain he finds this way to recognize that the people around him love him. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Even though through most of the film, he's not responding to them. He's shutting it out. It looks like he's shut off to everything, Mm -hmm. right? You see towards the end that he has been paying very close attention, even though it looks like he's buried himself in a coffin. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And it seems like it's impenetrable. No one can get through to him. Um, he's been paying very close attention to what's going on. And when the moment comes, he rises to it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and responds in this really beautiful way. And it's painful, 
right? Like the sort of denouement scene or whatever, um, the big conflict scene, like, you know, there's not a dry eye at the table. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but he comes, he, you know, it's still painful. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult, but he, he rises to that space, you know? Um, but the idea of collateral beauty and you see it, I thought the film was really well put together, right? Like they, um, they've got these sort of yin yang pairs going on, Mm. um, around these different, um, and I think just from the trailer, you can see this. So I'm not giving any spoilers away. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, he writes in his grief, he writes these letters to death, time and love. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then death, time and love come and respond to him you know mm-hmm. and it's interesting how the the characters around those characters are having their own interface with death time and love right so there mm-hmm. really is all this collateral beauty that's coming from it right. um uh but yeah oh, i lost my train of thought there do you have a track <laughs> 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 but it is one of those like you know the pain is there and it's horrible and it's awful what got him there in the first place do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying like it's yeah. not it's not devalidating any of that and I feel like I wonder if as Americans especially modern Americans we want to skip the struggle mm, right we want right. to skip the process we want to like jump right into and, and you don't get to where he is in the film. You don't get to the place of wisdom and insight and strength and growth from not grieving. Right. From not going through the underworld. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that underworld process is where the wisdom comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you get into, um, and it's interesting, the sort of idea of Jonah and the fish, right? So this is a, a Bible story. And Jonah is swallowed by the fish for three days before he spat back out again. And I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine, and this was at the beginning of the depression in Holland, right? So it was coming on, and I knew it was coming on, and I was desperately trying not to be swallowed by the fish, you know. And one of my dear, wise friends, um, Vilika, had said to me, you know, well, if you, you go inside and see inside the fish, right, like... This is what gives you the insights to be able to continue the work afterwards. And like being Mm -hmm. inside the fish, everything looks totally different. It doesn't look like a fish to us, right? Fishes have scales and fins and little flippers and their mouth goes like this. You know, like, so (laughs) like that's what fishes look like. But here you're in this space where there's this like rib cage and everything's red and dark and do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so it looks totally different than our experience of what the fish is, but it's still a fish. Right. So, and it's an underworld experience. I mean, so in, in Greek and Roman mythology, like the, it was always known that they would cycle through the underworld and come back up again. Right. Right. You cycle through the underworld and then you come back up. You see the same thing in, in American gods. Right. Um, and then within the Judeo, the, the, the Abrahamic tradition, you have this idea of, of Jonah and the whale. Right. So this is also an underworld experience. Like you're hmm. getting this completely different view on how these things are yeah. happening. And it's that process and experience that actually 
gives you the wisdom to have the moment where you're able to rise, right? And, and I think a really critical part of what you said there is the fact that you eventually come back up again. That going right. down into the underworld doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. forever. Yeah. And this is this is how you get trapped in the underworld, I think, right? Is you think thinking that you, that can't get out. you can't get back out again. Yeah. Not recognizing that it is a process, but falling into despair that it's always going to be like this because this is how it is, mm-hmm. right? And this is something I'm having to remind myself of now, right? If right. I'm as I'm looking backwards and seeing these patterns in history, and it feels like this hasn't changed at all. Have we not mm-hmm. learned anything? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is to remember. Just because this is the way it has always been doesn't mean that this is the way it's going to be, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's up to us now to make that decision, Yeah, you know? So, um, but that knowing that you're going to come back up, knowing that that's part of the process and not skipping that part because it doesn't feel good. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And um, something, you know, kind of to cycle back to sort of where we started the podcast with talking about New Year's resolutions and goals and things like that. Um, one of the things that I discovered um, a couple years ago that was really critical is that um, it's not just about the goal, that the process of what you're going to do on a daily basis, what your regular routine and practices to help you get towards your goal is actually a lot more important than the goal. Right. The goal kind of gives you something to aim for, you know, gives you a direction to go in. Um, and then, but then actually getting there is the process. Right. And so figuring out what the process is that's going to work for you is really the biggest part of being successful for your goals. And and so for me, I, you know, I try out different processes. And so, um you know, especially as a writer, you know, trying to find time to work on my novel in addition to, you know, working full time and taking care of my family, you know, can be challenging to find the time. And so I have been, finally I realized, oh, I just need to experiment with different types of routines, you know, trying, you know, this schedule or that schedule or, um, and then I, and then I think there's, so that's sort of the practical, sort of more that outer masculine of here's, how I'm going to do my daily writing habit kind of thing. Um, But then there's also the internal version of that, which you were just talking about, which is the, the emotional and psychological going through the process of, of looking at it and going, you know, I have this goal, I have this intention um, to stand up for what is right, to be a light in the world, you know, to speak out, you know, when, voices need to be heard, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so you can set that as your intention, you know, but then there's the work of having to do that stuff in the moment and constantly asking yourself, who do I want to be in this moment? Yeah. And, and when things are not going well, keeping in mind that this moment is a temporary moment and things are going to change in the future. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think too, like, yeah. So I think focusing on process um, is really, really important. And what are those, um, my, my sacred arts teacher calls them North star rituals, right? Mm. So these things that you do every single day that gets you aligned 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. Those things that keep you in center and um, and that you're always working from that space. Because right? it is really easy to get off track. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Whether that's on a practical goal, like wanting to lose weight or it's, you know, trying to stay emotionally balanced. It's easy to get pulled off course by life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. what are those? What are the what are the things that bring us back to center? What are the things that that align us with divinity in ourselves and others and that higher power, if that's something people ascribe to, right? What are the things that, and, and like Benjamin Zonder says, um, I didn't need to put his Ted talk in the, in the things too. Like, how would you do, how would you talk? How would you be, how would you look right? If, um, if you were this person or if you already had what right. you wanted or and so like for me, right. I think one of the things that I'll, focus on for this year is how how do I act if I'm more concerned about <clears throat> staying spiritually alive and emotionally healthy than I am worried about my physical safety, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's real easy to go into the physical safety thing, right? but like from a spiritual perspective of it, it never ends, right? Like you mm-hmm. just keep cycling through and you go through the underworld and you come out here, you go somewhere else or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. We're shifting through all these dimensions and worlds and whatever. Um, so it, it never ends. But uh, so, so the physical, the physical thing is really easy to reset from a big picture spiritual thing, right? But when we lose our souls, when we lose who we are, right? That's a much more difficult thing to retrieve, and right. I, I don't, I don't think you can really get separated from your soul. I, I look at it as more, or sorry, you can't lose your soul. You can only get separated from it. Right. Like there's a barrier. Um, in fact, I'm the story that I'm writing right now has sort of, it has magic, but it's very mystical type of magic. And so that's sort of um, one of the things my character can see you know, this sort of stuff. And so it's like everybody has this very divine, pure soul, but then they have like these layers over it that can separate their consciousness from yeah. their divinity. And well, so, I mean, if we lose something, we're separated from it, right? I, yeah, I guess I, I define lost as in a more permanent form, like it's gone. No, so it's so like yeah. I mean, having to retrieve that once we've lost it, can, depending on the reconnecting the, with the love, the layers of loss, right? right? Okay, like so. I guess we are talking about the same thing. Very long ones. journey through the underworld with all kinds of Herculean tasks that have to be performed to be able to uncover that again. Do you mm. know what I'm saying? Like, um, it's much more difficult to retrieve that when that gets lost mm. than than uh, yeah, it is. I guess. Do you see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, then to protect it in the first place. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And especially if we're looking at very large spiritual cycles, then physical loss is not that big a deal. Like our soul doesn't feel that. Right. Right. And and we've all heard near-death experience stories of people like, oh, it's floating above my body. and You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they don't feel that. That's not something that's bothersome, but but like across traditions right the stories of people stuck in purgatory or hell or unable to move out or trapped in the right. world or whatever it's because they've lost some piece of themselves right and they're trying to retrieve it right they have to set something right that had been put us had been torn asunder right. you know and we yeah. see that in multiple traditions right in the abrahamic tradition it 
shows up as a judgment and this kind of stuff, but in lots of different um, uh, more ancient traditions, right? We have the three fates, we have the Nords, we have, right, they're mm -hmm. usually a set of three women <laughs> that were in charge of um, setting things back right, right? Of re-spinning mm. the wheel of fate or cutting the thread of fate or do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, and if things had been put asunder, they were the ones that, that wouldn't allow you to pass. Right. They were the gatekeepers that wouldn't let you through until you set that back straight again. Do you uh, know what I mean? So that hmm. struggle to set things back straight mm -hmm. is it's, it's a much bigger struggle. So, so if we're focused, but on, on this plane, we're so often much more concerned with our physical safety than, than we are, like whether or not our deeper our selves, our truer health. selves are yeah. are really alive. Like, is that thriving? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And the things, um, uh, Artist Way talks about that too, like the things that are self-destructive, right? And it may very well be that things that look on the outside to other people, like, oh, you're doing great. You're, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've got the, so the self-destruction may not look like self-destruction to the people around us right but we know that we're losing little bits of ourselves right that the the trail of breadcrumbs <laughs> is a long one and that it's not there when we go when we re retrace the past to try to find it again right so um so how do i not crumble off parts of myself in the first place what do i need to do to make sure that um that i'm whole and that i'm alive with a capital a like what is what does that look like how do i stay centered and yeah. then trust that steps i need to take are going to come from that place yeah yeah and that and and i think what that ritual or practice is can be different for it's every look person really different right everybody's every gonna person. have you know some people are gonna do affirmations some people are gonna do like the thing i do every morning is i write one thing i'm grateful for and one thing that i acknowledge myself for which i think is something i learned from you actually yeah. you had you assigned five a day but one <laughs> i found that one of each a day is a manageable number um and uh and so that's something that you know i can keep up with um and um um, like and doing meditation art, right. when I find when I find myself getting into anxiety or upset or depression or things like that I'm like oh time to go meditate you know yeah. and I don't I don't meditate on a, a regular like daily basis um but then I find I don't really need to so right. I use it more as a when things are I can feel things are getting off course yeah. That's my way to sort of bring to myself bring it back, back to center. Yeah. And for some people <clears throat> that meditation is gardening, it's mm. going for a run. It's right. There's so many yeah. different ways to cultivate stillness and silence. Right. Um, and in folk tales all the time, the, the hero or heroine is busy doing work when the fairy godmother shows up. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so, um, but yeah, for every person, it's going to be different. And for every person, the role moving forward is going to be different. The thing that keeps them alive is going to be different. So um, really sinking in and finding out who we are and what that is right now. And it might be that the thing that has gotten us there in the past isn't getting us there now. So we have to find the new thing that does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And having all our goals come from that place of who do we ultimately want to be in the world as opposed yeah. to starting with what we want to have or what we want to look like yeah. instead take it to who do we want to be 
yeah, who do I want to be in 2017? So glad that you could join us today. And we are here to start a conversation, not be the conversation. So we would love to have you join us uh, around the digital campfire. Uh, you can come to the Facebook page, find Kitchen Table Alchemy, the group. Um, and that's a great place to connect with other people, uh, talk about what we've been talking about, also to find out where our next pop-up podcast is going to be. And Pinterest, find us on Pinterest. So that article that you were looking for, that you've scrolled through, through and you can't find it, it's probably on the Pinterest board. So uh, go find the Kitchen Table Alchemy group over on Pinterest. And for the latest episodes, you can go to our website, kitchentablealchemy.com, or you can subscribe through iTunes. And that way it's downloaded automatically. You don't have to remember anything. That's that's what I like. <laughs> so yeah, so we've loved having you. Y'all come back now, you hear? here. <laughs>